Today is Tuesday, January 16th, 2020. Time for episode 114 of the part. Nice. <laughs> the the Parn Fart Podcast. Bod- That's a good one. Today is Tuesday, January 16th, 2020. Time for episode 114 of the Barnhart Podcast. Knocking off the rust and finally putting my audio gear back together and uh, trying to remember how does this whole thing about podcasting work? I did hit the record button. Yeah, okay. So how does this whole record thing work again? <laughs> He's back. He's back from social distancing. The super nerd returns. Oh, but it's it's kind of it's kind of ugly here at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a little while since I've done this, and uh, I, I didn't, I wasn't in, in the flow of things for a while. So, yeah, it took me a minute to reassemble my notes. And before we were ready to start here, it's like, oh, there have been some donors in the meantime. I better log this all down and be, be ready to say this at the end because I know from experience, if I try to assemble that while we're talking, invariably yeah. I'm in the middle of looking things up, and you end what you're saying, and there's like this uncomfortable pause, like, oh, hey, it's my turn to talk. So, but but uh, no, when when um, I my participation ended for a little bit. Uh, that was because that I got to donate some audio equipment to the uh, live streaming that was happening locally. So my my audio interface that I use for recording the podcast, that was sent to church along with one of my uh, laptops and some other equipment. And uh, that was wonderful because we had daily live streams for a while. But uh, we are uh, standing down from the quarantine, uh, getting back to normal. We can go to mass every day. Uh, without masks, that was one of the things that the the local priest said. We're not going to play that game, and if they they make us stay closed longer, then so be it. But fortunately, mm-hmm. there we're open for daily masses again, and and things are wonderful from that perspective. And um, the good thing, I guess, from the podcast perspective, is nothing has happened since then. So there's nothing to talk about, is there? No, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Talk about talk about awkward silences. But we should say thank you to um, who is now being called non veni Mark. <laughs> which I like very much. So thanks to non-Venny Mark. He did two episodes, um, just the two of us. And then, of course, we did the two completely ad hoc last second um, podcasts with Dr. Matza, who has rocked the world. And all of that continues and work on all of that continues apace. But getting tons of email from people saying, we need to talk about what's going on and these masks and how do we go to mass and what do we do with our telephones and et cetera, et cetera. So we are back and we are in force and we're ready to go. Yeah. And I was, I would put out some notes that, or put out some, uh, some tweets, I guess is what I do on Twitter, uh, saying that, uh, based on something that, uh, you and Mark had, had talked about briefly in episode 110, I believe it was the, the topic of, can you use a, a telephone anonymously? And he had some questions about that and he said, hey, we'll have to have super nerd talk about this and we'll talk about that yeah. later. Yeah. But you mentioned the masks, you mentioned obviously a lot's going on here in the United States with, um, you know, Black Lives Matter. Yes, actually, Eternal Lives Matter. That's the real thing. But since people mm. who don't believe in the next life, everything's in, in this world and it, it's a mess. Yep. But I do want to mention with regard to masks and protests, 
the three big companies that that uh, or three of the big companies that sell facial recognition uh, services to the police and government and things like that. IBM, I didn't realize they really had a, a viable cloud system uh, that they they sell people, but apparently they do. Uh, Amazon, AWS, and and Microsoft's Azure, they all said we are going to cease for the time being. Some of them said three months. Some of them said for the rest of the year. And Microsoft just said for the time being. Uh, selling facial recognition services to the police because we're concerned about uh, injustices and and, um, and 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 the this technology being used unjustly against protesters, which sounds great from a from a um, from a uh, virtue signaling perspective and completely mm-hmm. completely covers up the fact that their technology doesn't work with people wearing masks. Yep, yep. Well, you know, it, so much. So much the better in that sense, but the what people, what my email box obviously is filling up with is most people, unlike you super nerd and unlike me all through this, um, I've never worn a mask in my life and I have no plans on ever doing so. Not, not one time ever. Including, not for any reason at all? Not, not for any reason at all ever have I ever put on a mask. Not one time. And I've gone to mass daily um, through all of it, through absolutely all of it. Um, oh, you mean the Corona thing? Because I, I, I imagine at some point in your life, whether you like sanding wood or, or preparing a, a wall for painting where you've got to smooth sand it, you've got to wear a mask. Otherwise, you're getting that really fine, fine particulate powder into your lungs, and that can be some bad crud. That even you know, coughing up horse glue may not get that out. Good point. Let me think about that. Um, I took shop in eighth grade. I don't even. Re- I don't even remember wearing one. Taking shop. I've never painted. Um, I've I've painted. I painted my bedroom, but it wasn't. I didn't have to wear a mask. Um. Well, it's not necessarily the painting per se, it's the preparation. If you've got a, a rough wall, especially if you had a, you know, some the, the people before you or you had a rowdy party, maybe you didn't have these problems, uh, yeah. where you've got to patch a, a hole in the wall and then put the spackle up and then and then sand it down smooth. That fine, really fine particulate powder, uh, it, it, that can be some nasty stuff to inhale. I do not recall in my life ever wearing one of those masks, but specifically talking about this situation, this um, act of war uh, that's been foisted with this fake, you know, sending everybody into a blind panic over this year's seasonal chest cold. No, I have not one time, not one time ever put a mask on. My email box is filling up with people saying, unlike you and me, super nerd, these people's trad parishes are, you know, bowing and scraping to the powers that be and will will reserve judgment on how necessary that is and whether or not they should be standing up to them, which I obviously lean to the side that they should be standing up against it. But people saying, I cannot walk into the church unless I put on a mask. But Anne, I'm with you. This is a this is a sign of submission. It is the Masonic veil. It is the burqa of totalitarianism. It's all based on a lie. It's filthy dirty, which they are. Masks are absolutely filthy. Ask any doctor, ask any nurse. They're filthy. They do nothing 
I mean, even if, even if there were some sort of a lethal virus going around, which there is not, there is a normal seasonal cold virus that went around that, yes, kills elderly people and people who are dying already of something whose immune systems are completely shot and can't fight anything off. Oh, and also people who present at the emergency room and then get murdered by ventilator because they get a 30, because the the hospital or nursing home or whatever gets a $39,000 windfall payout for every dead body that they can produce. There's no, there is no lethal virus going around anywhere, not in the United States, not in Europe, not anywhere. So just saying that. That $39,000 figure is not a joke either. And that's just the, no. the entry. No. So if somebody showed up dead, like, for example, somebody in Minneapolis who died because a police officer had his knee on his neck, they do a, a postmortem uh, COVID check and, oh, he's positive. We can code that. Ka-ching! They really Ka-ching! were going to do that, and of yeah. course, then, then, then the the corollary is like, well, oh, we can tell all the protesters they can go home now. He died from COVID, and that mm-hmm. that got turned around really fast when it was phrased that way. It's like, no, you you can't you can't wipe away this injustice by calling it COVID. Yep, exactly. It's it's all it is all a scam, guys, and we have to watch what we say and everything that we do to always and everywhere reflect the fact that there is no pandemic. There is no pandemic. There's never been a pandemic. It's all BS. It's all an operation by Bill Gates and the New World Order. So back to going to mass. People are saying, Anne, I'm with you. I'm not putting the damn mask on. And I'm like, right on. But they won't let me into the church to go to mass unless I wear the Masonic veil of submission to the lie. Here's what you do. Uh, let me give you some, um, some suggestions. The first thing I want to say is obviously super nerd and many, many other people all over the world have been heroic, heroic in getting the video live stream set up. And God bless you, super nerd, and God bless everyone out there who who put put the rubber to the road and got those things set up quick with with quality that is shocking to me that that everybody can now almost just ad hoc at the drop of a at the drop of a hat set up a streaming mass. I mean, Father Z sets things up. Most trad parishes have something going on in terms of streaming. When the heat of the fake false imprisonment that they that they implemented went into effect, okay, God bless you for that. However, big however, I am now seeing people saying things online like, "Oh, I heard mass this Sunday morning wearing my bathrobe and slippies." That's not cool, guys. That's not cool. And it also needs to be said, and I made a post on this, guys, the third commandment, the anti-church, these anti-bishops, these these apostate, sodomite, Freemason, godless, faithless wretches, they have they have abrogated in whatever religion they're in, the third commandment. This, this, they are never, ever going to lift that. Just stop and think about it. K 
Can you imagine right now any bishop anywhere putting out a press release, calling a press conference, whatever, saying, I hereby reinstate the requirement for for Catholics to attend Holy Mass on Sundays to honor the third commandment under pain of mortal sin. Can you imagine any of them doing that? Of course not. Let me fill you in on something, kids. And it ain't about morality. It's about feelings. I think that's one of the big things. Like, do you feel safe being around other people? I mean, come on, somebody's got to have the coronavirus. Do you feel safe? Maybe you should stay home. Yep, absolutely. No, I, I couldn't possibly, I couldn't possibly compel you morally to worship God in person on Sundays. They're never going to lift it, guys. They're never going to lift it. The temptation is going to be, even for trads, this is where the fight comes. The temptation for trads, even, is going to be, okay, I don't have to go to Mass because the bishop, who, let me remind you, is probably a sodomite, maybe a Freemason, probably, well, is almost certainly an arch-heretic, probably an apostate, because he said, he said, and under the law of the church, I'm excused. I don't have to go on Sunday. Now, see, this is where the personal relationship with Jesus Christ comes into play. This gaming, legalistically gaming the system and saying, well, my bishop said I don't have to go. He's never going to lift that, guys. He's never, ever going to lift that. So do you honestly think that that means that you never legally... Are you going to legalistically claim, I don't ever have to go to Mass again? Are you prepared to stand in front of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sins, and look up at him and say, you know, I stopped going to Mass in 2020 because the bishop said I didn't have to. I didn't have to anymore. This, my friends, is where the rubber meets the road. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So what, what do you do? You're, you're in this position where they're saying you have to put on the Masonic veil of submission to the lie in order to, to enter the church to go to Mass on Sunday. But at the same time, at the same time, you know in your heart, dark good and well, that the third commandment is still in effect. And our Lord and Savior, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost should be worshipped on Sunday, and that you should be doing something. I have ideas. I have solutions. Number one, um, don't don't stay home. If you have to stay home, get up, get dressed, put on your Sunday best, and by golly, you go to mass and you kneel and you do you do everything. If you have to watch it streaming, do your absolute best at home. No hearing mass in your bathrobe and slippies. That's no, no, just well, no. There's, there's an important, important point of clarification we should make. The third commandment isn't thou shalt go to mass. It's thou shalt keep holy the Sabbath. Ah, good point. Is hearing mass in your bathrobe and slippies, is that, is that keeping the day holy? Is that keeping the Sabbath holy? I think not. I think not. If you are in a situation where you 
absolutely have to do it from home. Do not fall into this trap of bathrobe and slippies. Very, very bad. Okay, next, number two. Here's, here's what I would say. If you've got, if, you're, if your parish has, has rebooted and started back up again, but they won't let you in unless you're wearing the Masonic veil, get up, get dressed, get in the car, go drive or walk or however you get there physically to the church. If you cannot physically enter the church, kneel down you know, in, in the grass, in the yard, if, if you need to take cushions, something to kneel on, kneel outside of the church. How much will our Lord appreciate that? If you say, Lord, I am coming to you. I am getting as physically close to you as I can, but I cannot do the Masonic veil. And I will not do the Masonic veil. Let me fill you in on something. A lot of these churches um, are pretty small, physically small. You know, trads tend to get stuck in in little bitty old churches a lot of times. We I also can, do, we also can't afford the big uh, suburban McMansion churches because we have kids to raise. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you could probably kneel strategically outside the church, hey, figure out where the tabernacle is. Go go kneel on the opposite f- side of the facade of where the tabernacle is or figure out where the altar is. Kneel close to the altar, facing the altar, outside. You could conceivably, and many of you would be, closer to the altar than I am when I go to Mass in the relatively large church that I'm able to go to mass every day in. You could be physically closer. And there's a church very, very close. I've, I've said this before on the podcast. I could open one of my windows and, you know, I made the analogy that I'm I'm no Raleigh Fingers, but I thought perhaps it would be better to say I'm no Johnny Bench because the, the guys with the gun arm are the catchers. So I'm no Johnny Bench. Let's put it that way. But I don't throw like a complete girl either. I could easily throw a baseball and hit the the wall that is the rear facade where the tabernacle is on a church that's right next to the place where I live. I was planning, if it came to it, that what I would do is that I would go and I know exactly where the tabernacle is and I would take one of my kneeler pads and I would just go kneel outside the church and I would do a dry mass and make a spiritual communion and pray the rosary, whatever, you know. You should do the same thing. If you can't physically enter the church without putting on the Masonic burqa, go and kneel outside the church. How, how much will our Lord appreciate that? Remember, he's a person and he understands, he, he knows your heart better than you know your heart. If, if you show that kind of dedication and that kind of love for him, Lord, I love you. I'm coming. I'm I'm keeping the Sabbath holy. I'm coming to Sunday Mass, but I am not donning the Masonic burqa. I am not submitting to the lie. And in the vein of Francis, the Holy One, the actual Saint Francis of Assisi. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> preaching with your actions. How much of a how much of a statement is that? to others and how much of a reinforcement is it to your own faith that even if I can't go into the church, I am going to observe the physical posture of prayer yep, as close absolutely. to the church as possible. And I've, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, 
human beings, well, anybody, the two hearts here, human beings are composite beings. We're both corporeal and we are spiritual. Uh-huh. And, and the Protestants have a partial bit that kind of makes sense where they say, I don't need to, I don't need to confess my sins to a man. I confess my sins to God. They just have a oh. theological misunderstanding that Catholics are confessing their sins to God. God. The yeah. priest is the conduit. But but the same thing to prepare your, your yourself for prayer. Why do we genuflect? Why do we kneel? We put ourselves in these physical positions of prostration and and orienting our our bodies to help the mind ascend to heaven. And mm-hmm. so anything we do that that can help in that regard and getting you know taking off the comfortable jammies and and putting on a, a full you know three piece suit. Uh, there was a picture on somebody's blog. I think it was uh, Doctor Cut and Paste down down in Dallas. He he posted a picture of his family watching <laughs> so mass. Bad Doctor Cut and Paste. Is that what you said? <laughs> um, for the three people who understood that reference, yeah. we'll get to it in future shows. Yes. But but he posted a picture of, of his family uh, watching the live stream mass. You know, getting in full Sunday best, and I guess a yep. couple of his kids or servers they get in their cask and surplus. And maybe a little bit over the top, but I appreciate the sentiment. That's definitely. Yep. You know, I, 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 I would encourage people to err in that direction as opposed to oh, you know, slacking off or, or taking a phone call or something during mass because you're so comfortable at home. I mean, that's one of the problems of, of, of watching mass in your living room is the mm-hmm. fact that you're at home. This is your, your safe space, your comfortable space, whatever adjective that makes you happy space. And yep. yeah. Yeah. And, and also the, in terms of, of the, not, not just the example, I know that there were people when we were live streaming, um, I definitely had the, the awesome opportunity to actually go to mass every Sunday because I was running the live stream and mm-hmm. there were, there was, there was, uh, somebody who, who was doing exactly what you were talking about, kneeling just outside the doors of the church, uh, yep. one Sunday. And I, there was a, like a 30 second delay between what ha- was happening on the altar and getting captured by the sound system and then getting out onto the live stream mm-hmm. and what went out, went out onto YouTube. And it, it freaked me out for a second because I had, I had my earphones on one ear when I'm listening to what's coming out of the live stream and one ear listening to what's going on in reality. And then 30 seconds after the bells of the consecration were ringing, I'm hearing bells again. I was like, where in the world is this? It's not on the stream. And, and I, well, I heard it on, on one ear with the stream, take my <laughs> headphones off and I'm still hearing it. I'm looking around. Where is this coming from? And I figured out it was somebody outside the chapel who was watching on their phone, didn't realize the delay. And I was yep. the only I was the only one who who got annoyed by that because I was the only one noticing it. But the whole point is is that by by making use of the fact that that the body has or the human human nature has two parts, body and soul. The what you do to the to, to the physical body has repercussions on the soul. If you yep. are immoderate in food and drink and, and everything else with your your appetites, it's going to affect your soul. If you mm-hmm. chastise your body and and are, are strict with your appetites, it's going to be, have effects on the soul in the good way. So yep. all of this sense about you know keeping holy the Lord's day, it's not just not going shopping. It's maintaining posture, maintaining decorum. Yeah. Um, maintaining, you know, good language and everything else. And I'm I'm so glad that you brought up the person who was watching the live stream on their phone because that's my next suggestion. I I opened by saying go, go physically go to the church, kneel, you've got your missile dry mass outside. Hey, let's put this technology which has caused so much trouble in, in human society, nobody can argue that, but let's put it to work for the good. If you have to be outside, perhaps you could open the live stream of what's going on inside of the building 
while you're outside of the building and you could you could see mass that way with your missile and everything so you don't have to go in and you're not going to put on the masonic veil so you can make this technology and all the work of people like super nerd who have set up these live streams hey man if we can put that to work for the good feel free go ahead and do that i think that would be i think that would be wonderful um and then the last alternative and i i told this to um the priests where where i am they they absolutely know that i will not put on a mask i will not do it and so if it came if it were to come to that which i don't see an indication here of that happening but if it were, if the Stasi were to start, you know, narking people out and whatever, and it, it came to, they had to start telling people, you can't enter without a mask on. I've told them, okay, I would then ideally become side door Sally. Let me in, let me in the back or side door of the church. And the older the church, the more the supplies, but churches tend to have all kinds of little hidden places hither and yon, you know, um, choir lofts and, and sacristies and side hallways and all kinds of places. The older the church is, the more labyrinthine, labyrinthine that it tends to be. And so there's all kinds of places that I could go inside of the church where I would not be visible, but I would be inside the church and I would be within, you know, hearing distance of the altar, even if I couldn't necessarily see the altar, but there's a lot of places. I mean, choir lofts are the big one um, where you, you could actually see the altar, but you would be invisible if the, if the Stasi came in. Um, So that is also an alternative. You can be inside the church but um, hidden and invisible. Now, if you're a big family, that's certainly harder. But if you're just one or two people, that's a possibility too. Um, so, I mean, w- we've got options here. The point I want to make is, is do not fall into this extraordinarily Protestant, oh, yeah, I worship God in my own way at home while drinking coffee in my bathrobe and slippies. Not cool, guys. Not cool. And this, like I said, this is, uh, you know, one of the contexts of putting us to the test and putting our faith to the test. How, how do you handle this situation? How do you react to it? What decisions do you make? What do you do for our Lord? Um, you know, show, show him how much you love him. Go the extra mile. And frankly, I mean, for most people, I would think that getting in the car and driving and going somewhere at this point would be absolutely lovely. Um, So do as much as you humanly can and really sit and think about what that means, because I think it probably means a lot more than what you what you might think it means. You can do a lot without, um, you know, compromising and putting on the Masonic burqa and um, and bowing and scraping to this to this lie, to this war, to this scam, to this this uh, this crime against humanity. You don't have to participate in it, but you can still just make a beautiful witness and go the extra mile. And most importantly, not break the third commandment. And, and somebody else who is a friend of the podcast uh, that I know locally, she made the point that it, it is too easy. And this, she was talking about just how evil in her opinion, the, the, uh, you don't have to go to mass and, and the live streaming option is it's mm-hmm. too easy to get comfortable staying at home and not going yep. to mass. And that, you know, part of that 
part of the obligation of going to mass, aside from the fact that, you know, God told us is that it, it, it breaks you out of a lethargy and, and out of a, a sense of just staying put. I mean, there are some people who are homebodies who would be fine just going nowhere ever really. Um, not everybody is itching with energy all the time and just has to get out and go, 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 go. But you know, some people do have that, uh, that, tendency toward being sedentary or maybe that's not the right word but just not going someplace and, and being comfortable with that well i mean i would call it misanthropy there's misanthropes who openly confess that they don't and you know unfortunately i cross paths with some of them that they don't ever want to go and again you see it they're falling into it um i know i know one person who had cancer and got their confessor right their their confessor rightly told them that they didn't have to go to Sunday mass, they were dispensed from Sunday mass while they were in the throes of having chemotherapy, which obviously common sense says, of course, that's true. However, that turned into a, to a habit, a perpetual habit, which layered on top of that, the person got their uh, spiritual director confessor to tell them, you don't have to go to mass if it's the Nova Sordo and it makes you angry. Well, that turned into, I don't ever have to go. Just just make sure I live somewhere where there's no trad mass. And that's it's, it's impossible for me to get to a trad mass on Sunday without doing some expensive overnight journey. And then I don't ever have to go to mass ever again. Well, isn't that convenient? No, guys, don't do it. Don't do it. I mean, here on the podcast, I've been preaching for years. We've been doing this podcast now for years. And I've been saying, get get close, get close to the trad mass, get as close as you possibly can. I personally, hey man, when I went to the van down by the river, the new rule was I ain't living anywhere where I am not within easy walking distance of daily old mass. And and that became a prayer petition in my after mass litany of, of prayer petitions to our Lord. That's number six. Uh, may I always, the the church militant is visible. May I always be able to easily see and recognize the church militant. And may I always be within easy walking distance of daily old mass. I've been praying that as my number six after mass petition for years. And guess what happened? This situation happened. The entire, the entire Western church went under interdict and I was always within easy walking distance of daily old mass. And there was a stretch of about three weeks when I was one of the only people, one of the only people in the Western world who was going to daily mass, lay people who was hearing daily mass. And I, I was, you know, the whole time. And I had the whole, the full Holy Week, full ceremonies, private, basically private. And I still, to this day, now I, in the, at petition number six, I look at our Lord and I just smile and laugh and say, you are, you miraculously answered this. You continue to miraculously answer this, but because you are God, you are infinite, you are infinite love, you have infinite power and infinite c- capacity I'm not going to be shy about asking you, keep this miracle going, keep it going. That's, that's a thing that's really interesting. And, you know, coming from a German Protestant culture where everything, you know, oh, 
you're you're not supposed to ask for more. Never ever ask for more. It, it, it's virtuous to say, "Oh no, no, no." With God, don't do that because He's infinite and He loves you infinitely, and He wants to give you everything that He possibly can. So go ahead, and even though even though your you know your very worldly, uh, prideful self might have this feeling of ooh I should I shouldn't ask for any more you know he already gave me this this miracle during this whole nonsense situation where I was one of the only people in the world going to mass every day I shouldn't ask for anything more uh, not not really you actually you should acknowledge the miracle that he gave you. And then, and then you should say, well, you are God. So I'm going to go ahead and, and ask you, keep, keep that going. Keep it going. I want more, in fact. It's not being greedy to ask for more good from infinite good himself, if that makes, if I phrase that correctly. It's, that's not a bad thing. It's, it can be bad to ask for more from a human being who simply does not have infinite capacity and can only give you so much of whatever it is that you're asking for, whatever it is that you need. God is unique in that he is infinite. And so if you, if you have a personal relationship with him and you ponder who he is and his infinitude, what you realize is it actually is virtuous to ask him for more then just read the prayers i mean if you go to mass every day read the post communion prayer which is usually begging him for more i mean almost every day the post communion is you give us so much please continue to give us more well if holy mother church says beg god to give you more even though he's given us so much already it it must be a good thing and if you if you stop and think about him being infinite as he is you realize no matter how much he gives you and no matter how much you are capable of taking you are not taking away from him at all because he's infinite he is the bottomless basket of bread. He is the bottomless basket of fish at the miracle of the loaves and the fishes, which was an actual miracle of his infinitude. It was not um, a miracle of people suddenly becoming generous as anti-Pope Bergoglio has repeatedly tried to convince people. It's a miracle of his infinitude and it's a lesson for all of us. That basket that he's that he's holding in front of you, no matter how many fish you take out of that basket, that basket is still going to be full. So take take as much as you possibly can and don't be shy about asking him for it either. Well, and also keep in mind that the very act of earnestly asking God for graces that you intend, especially if you intend to comply with them, mm-hmm. that is you know, part of, you know, if, if you if you want to be a runner, you want to run a marathon, and you've got the physique of, a, of an office dweller, you have to continue to get out there and pound the pavement in order to build up the stamina and the ability to finally hit five miles and then 10 miles and then a full marathon eventually. So just if you can't expect God to give you all the graces you're capable, well, all all the graces that he wants to give you on the Mm. first go, you got to ask for the true desire to want more and keep in mind that's going to come with crosses as well. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, the crosses give you the capacity. Yeah. That that's how you show that you are worthy of, of, of additional graces 
in, in the, in, and we made this analogy in the past. I mean, when, if, if you truly love somebody, it's not just in the good times that you prove it. It's when things are difficult and where it would be completely understandable to walk away. Mm-hmm. Or even when they would say, Hey, I'm hideous. I'm, I, you shouldn't have to put up with this, go away. And you stay there anyway, and you win their love all over again. That's the kind of situation that God's going to send you the graces where he's going to almost, it feels like he's pushing you away. And in St. Teresa of Avila essentially told him this too. It's like, why do you treat your friends this way? That's right. <laughs> or why, why, why do you do things like this? Because this is how I treat my friends. Like, well, this is why you have no friends. Now she wasn't being cynical about it. I mean, she actually, I kind of appreciate that level of snark. It's kind of, kind of uh, <laughs> impressive. Uh, but, realize you've, you've got to, you've got to want it and you in realizing what comes with it and want it anyway. Mm-hmm. If you have all of that together, God will reward it. He will give you the graces. You just have to want it and know what's coming and, and say, okay, that th- thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. May I have another? Yeah. I mean, and I've, I've said this before, whenever anything happens to you, that is a cross, that is a trial that hurts, um, Look to our Lord's passion, and I I can promise you, you are going to find an aspect of our Lord's passion that is a near direct analog to whatever it is that you're going through. And in this situation, I think it's pretty clear that, and I this this may or may not um, be germane in terms of whether or not we're running up into the end times. Is that we're getting up to the to our Lord's last last minutes uh, of being alive on the cross. And what did he say? What did he cry out? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, of course, Christ Christ is God. So he, he knew that the Father and the Holy Ghost had not forsaken him, but he made that, he, he said that, first echoing, you know, quoting the Psalms, um, and just so that we could know that he he was sharing in that that feeling that so many of you went through and are and some of you are continuing to go through in this situation where you could possibly say god has forsaken me he is he is physically removed from me i cannot go to him i can't even go into a church and pray in front of him or post in the tabernacle what how does this how do you map this onto our lord's passion it's that that sense of abandonment my god my god why hast thou forsaken me and remember the more you experience things and he allows things to happen to you that have this direct mapping onto his passion oh the more he loves you i mean that's that's just a gift for you to be able to share in a way in his passion to be able to analogize yourself and you know the fathers would say to get up on the cross with him you know and go through his passion with him to stand at the pillar with him to carry the cross on the via dolorosa with him and to hang on the cross and die desolate with him um that's when he allows that to happen to you. Remember what's happened is that Satan has, has made this plan and, you know, God being God knows exactly what Satan is up to. And God being God has said, like, you know, let's put it in terms of Anne. Let's put it in terms of me. God has, has said effectively to Satan, go ahead and go after Anne. 
I'm going to be with her every step of the way. Go ahead. Go ahead and go after her. I'm going to be with her. Now think about that. Think, I mean, flattering is kind of, I don't know, that's kind of not an appropriate word, but it's the only one I can think of at the moment. That's flattering that you know that the triune Godhead has said to Satan and the demons, go ahead and attack my beloved because I'm going to be there with them. And I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let you do this. I'm not going to let you win. That's flattering. Um, well, so the, the people who survive an attack like that aren't relying on their own merits in the first place. They're going to immediately out of humility, realize that they could never stand up to even yep. the weakest of demons, which the weakest of demons is like saying the shortest of giants. Yeah. The, the, the weakest of demons could thrash you without, without, you know, trying. We're uh, ants. You, you, we are like ants on the sidewalk compared to them. And, and you, it's an, and it's an that, intellectual yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's even a gross uh, inaccuracy because an ant could bite us and, and that would yeah. hurt. But but uh, the, it's the humble soul who realizes they have no ability to fight fight these demons and and uh, turn to the power of God to the to the weapons of, of, of faith, you know the shield of armor, the sword of truth, you know mm-hmm. the, the the rosary and scapular. That's what what can defeat the demons. This puny humanness that we are, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> but that's the point. God has said, "Go ahead." I'll be right there and, you, and you're going to, you're going to fail. You're totally going to fail. And so that's, that's the eternal struggle. That's the eternal war. And so if you're out there and you're going through this, this profound feeling of desolation, all you need to do is stop, humble yourself. Like super nerd said, um, go to our Lord personally in prayer and, and say to him, show me what you're trying. Tell me what you're trying to demonstrate to me in this situation. And guess what? Those are the kinds of prayers that are like 100% guaranteed to be answered. You know, I mean, why would, why would God not show you what he's trying to do in the context of the situation to advance you in holiness, to get you saved, to get you to the beatific vision, and then even beyond that, to get you as high, as close to him in heaven as possible? Because it isn't, it isn't just the getting in. I mean, the getting in is obviously, it's an, it's an infinity unto itself, just getting into the beatific vision. It's also getting as close to him and as, as we use the analogy, the, the descriptor high, as high in heaven, as close to our Lord, as close to our lady who is at his right hand, get as close as you can. He's drawing you closer. Let him do that. Ask him to show you, ask the Holy Ghost to, to, um, you know, illuminate your, your intellect and so that you can understand what's going on here because everything, everything that happens, the divine providence is working it for the good and it has the potential. Everything has the potential to work for the good. So let that happen. I should point out also that protection from the demons, like I mentioned, turning to the, the rosary scapular faith and all that, that the protection from demons does not mean that you will not be physically accosted and, and lose things. I mean, look at the example of Job in the Old Testament. Look at mm-hmm. the look at the example of the carry of ours, um, obviously in the New Testament, physically accosted, 
beaten up. You can be you can be almost up to the point of, of being killed in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, you you could cause a scandal of confusion to others. Uh, Saint Gerard Magella. He he was falsely accused and in imitation of Christ, never defending himself. He was put on uh, the equivalent of interdict. He wasn't allowed to receive the sacraments. He never lost his faith, but definitely you know evil things, humanly speaking, happened to him, even from his own brothers and and the friars in in, in the in the monastery. There, eventually, it was all cleared up, but it was something where he didn't rely on his own ability to clear all this up on on it or to to do the fighting himself he relied on the merits of god i'm making some some inaccuracies here and and oversimplifications in some cases but the point is if you try to fight with your own strength you're done before you start you're done before you start that's right and there's there are so many saints who were um you know priors of monasteries, so on and so forth, who were hated, despised, narked out by their own guys. St. Cassian, I believe, was stabbed to death by his own uh, monks with a, a reading stylus, you know, when they used to, they used to hold a stylus while they were reading. And he was stabbed, I think he was stabbed to death by his own guys with, with a reading style. I mean, it just stuff like that. It happened all the time. Um, poisoned, attempted to be poisoned by their own monks and, oh, just terrible. So don't think for a second that it means that you're going to sail through life and nothing's nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. And now here, as we sit as a second American civil war has, has broken out. I mean, let's just go ahead and own it. The second American civil war has broken out. Um, I've been telling people for years, this thing is going to make the French revolution look like a gentleman's disagreement over 4 PM tea and crumpets. Okay. Um, I have I have expected for a long time, for many years, that I will not die a natural death. I'll be surprised if I die a natural death. Um, I probably have 15, maybe 20 more years before I enter that that cancer window. If I don't die of cancer, then I, I don't know. But I've always figured that I'm not going to die naturally. Um, and given everything that's going on, I think it's completely reasonable to continue to operate under that assumption. Um, don't think that what I'm talking about means that you're you're going to be untouched in this world. That's not what I'm saying. But quite the opposite. I just got finished saying when when these things start happening, look to our Lord's passion. And some people are going to have pretty direct analogies, it seems to me, with our Lord's passion. People will be physically tortured. People will be executed publicly. Um, so yeah, just is, start thinking about these things and uh, don't, don't take this... Uh, abrogation of the third commandment by, let's be honest, the forces of the anti-church, um, as uh, Father Linus Clovis so brilliantly put it, that the, the church and the anti-church today occupy the same liturgical, juridical, and uh, sacramental space. And, and that was before all of this happened. So we've got the church in eclipse, you know, don't think, don't allow yourself to fall into the trap 
that that means that you get to slack off on anything. It's exactly the opposite. You should be stepping up. This should be an opportunity to advance in sanctity. Stay, stay close to the sacraments as close as you possibly can. And we've, uh, we talked about this, I'm pretty sure, on the last episode that you and I did, Super Nerd. Man, if there were ever a time to not play Russian roulette with mortal sin, this is it. You know, stay the hell away from pornography, drugs. I mean, what what the hell? Fornication, what the hell ever? Self abuse and any of that, because a lot of you, I understand, a lot of you cannot cannot be confessed. There's no one around who will hear your confession. Um, yeah, do not play Russian roulette in these days. Don't do it. One of the things you've, you've mentioned probably about 33 times so far, and, and this is going to be a, a segue, you refer to the mask as the Masonic veil. Is mm-hmm. that, I imagine there's something about that. I'm not, a, I'm not a big, I'm not super knowledgeable about, about Freemasonry or how, whatever the Freemasonic Mason, Mason whatever. I'm, is there something about a veil in masonry that that it that it, I'm missing here about this? No, no. Um, the reason I call it that is because you know, obviously, Freemasonry is a huge driving force behind all of it. Um, I've said this before. New World Order is what we call in North America what is called in Europe uh, Freemasonry. It's the same thing. It's the same people. It's the same driving force. It's the same agenda, all of that. Um, The reason I call it the Masonic veil is because it is, it's like the Islamic veil. It's a, it's a, it's become a liturgical thing for this new um, one world religion, this Freemasonic religion that, that I mean, just everybody and what's creepy is it's the young kids they're the ones who are the most zealous about this it's the and religion of woke yeah it's the religion of the woke and so it is the anti-church it is the new world order one world religion and it is absolutely a liturgical analog directly analogous to the masonic uh, excuse me to the um, islamic veil so you call it the Masonic Barca too. Just driving this point home, it is a signal of submission to this new world woke religion. Um, and and people are zealous about it and young people are zealous about it and screaming and, and Karen screaming and yelling, put it on. And it's filthy. It's disgusting. It's dehumanizing. It doesn't do anything. It... Um, Everything about it is bad. Everything about it is bad. And so I call it the Masonic veil just to drive that point home. No, Masons wear, Masons wear an apron. I don't think they do any sort of face covering to my knowledge. Uh, no. So that's the reason why I call it that. And you mentioned Karen and the armies of Karen. And you, mm. you, you mentioned earlier and, and when we were chatting, getting ready for the sharing notes, what we we're going to talk about. Uh, who's going to fight for us? We are too few against the legions of Karen. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not going to be the the clerics. It's not going to be. It's certainly not going to be the episcopacy. Um, and th- this needs to be said. And I'm not being snarky. And I'm not making a joke. One of the reasons why the bishops, especially, are just 
prostrate, face down on the floor, bowing and scraping. Oh my gosh, wear your mask, wear your rubber gloves, do all this. Guys, most of those bishops are sodomites and a lot of them are HIV positive and the rest of them are scared that they could conceivably be HIV positive. That's why, that's a big reason why a lot of them are so terrified of this propaganda about a killer virus, which is just a seasonal chest cold. Unless you have a pre-existing condition that makes you extremely vulnerable. Unless you have a pre-existing immunocompromising condition, what could that be? What could that be? Um, I've said for a long time, I would be absolutely fascinated to see how many antiretroviral scripts for HIV therapy are being dispensed out of the Vatican pharmacy. Oh, oh, guys, I'm, I'm not being, I'm not kidding. I'm not being facetious. I bet that it's one of the highest concentration dispensaries for HIV antiretroviral scripts in the world. So there you go. And I imagine there are a lot of people also who um, probably had a similar health condition. It was covered something else. I'm not going to talk about it in detail in this podcast, but uh, apparently there was a big WikiLeaks uh, document dump that just happened. I'm still trying to track down and get a copy of this and learn more. But in trying to trace through this and find out uh, if there's actually anything new, found a document which purports to be a a, uh, a doctor's uh, screen saying that uh, Steve Jobs had HIV. And in Googling on that, apparently this isn't a new story, a new leak. Some people are saying this is a, a conspiracy theory and whatnot, and others are saying, no, 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 what what he had and the symptoms he had, it, officially he died of pancreatic cancer, but mm-hmm. apparently the, the symptoms he had could easily have been uh, complications from HIV, and it's no one, quite conceivable. No one, no one dies of HIV. It's HIV attacks your immune system and then you die of pneumonia or you die of Carposi's sarcoma, which is a super rare form of super virulent skin cancer. That's what Yasser Arafat died of. Um, Yeah, nobody, you don't technically die of HIV. HIV kills your immune system and then you die of just absolutely when, hey, you, you could die of a common cold. Because it turns into pneumonia, and then you die of that. So exactly, that's that's the issue. And I think there's been a hell of a lot more people that have had it. And at the, it will be at the general judgment when all will be revealed, and we'll find out who's had this, who does have it now, and why so many of these people, why their why their actions are what they are and why all these clerics and prelates are cowering in terror of this thing. Hell, they got HIV a lot. I mean, you, if you have a, a massive population of sodomite men as, and then older sodomite men for who who don't believe, who don't believe that there is a next life. So this is the only one. Exactly. Who do not believe any of it, who have no supernatural faith, who do not believe in heaven or hell. All there is, is this world and this life and are terrified of dying, are terrified of dying. What, what do you think? That's what's going on here. So, yeah, I mean, you, you brought up 
who will fight for us? We are too few. I mean, that's, that's taken from, from Tolkien. That is, um, I was thinking about this today. That is, um, if you remember the final battle, Aragorn has to go and he has to go in that cave and he has to, as the king, he's the only one who can summon that army of the dead and say, come and fight for me. And so we're kind of in that situation right now. We are just monumentally outnumbered in this situation. And you, and you would be tempted to despair and say, you know, as a percentage, how many actual believing Catholics are there left in the world? How, how many bishops are left in the world who are actually Catholic? I, I think, you know, it's being demonstrated. People like me have been jumping up and down for years saying, damn few, damn few. And people are like, oh, no, 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 no. How could you say that? Oh, the bishops. He wouldn't have been elevated a bishop. He wouldn't have been elevated a bishop if he had faith. That's the point. The Joseph Bernadins, the Cardinal Joseph Bernadins, who was a Satanist, he ran the American church. Nobody got elevated. Nobody got elevated if it didn't pass Cardinal Bernadin's um, test, which was basically you had to be gay and have no supernatural faith. So, I mean, the, the situation is bad. And we're, we're seeing that now because nobody has stood up. Nobody has stood up and said anything except, except who? Vigano. Vigano. And then what happens, you know, Vigano steps up and is writing these letters and making these press releases and, you know, letter to Trump and now letter denouncing Vatican II. I've got that all linked on the blog very recently. And you know what? These trad ink people cannot attack him fast enough. Oh, well, he's talking too much. Eh, too little, too late, or whatever the hell it is that they're saying. They've been bitching for years. Language alert, language alert. They have been bitching for years that nobody will stand up, nobody will do anything. And then the minute somebody does, namely in the person of Archbishop, Archbishop Vigano, finally somebody does and starts saying what needs to be said and, and they, they attack him. I mean, it's just, it's the height of hypocrisy. So back to Tolkien, Aragorn goes, he summons this army of the dead, that, and that was the decisive force that won the battle of the Palenar Fields was when Aragorn rolled in with that army of the dead. Um, so you ask, you ask, uh, uh, you know, people like us who are sitting here saying we are so wildly outnumbered in this situation, but you know what? We have the poor souls and we have the entire communion of saints that are already in the beatific vision. Um, but I'm thinking, especially in terms of this analogy with the Tolkien as, you know, the army of the dead would be the poor souls. Enjoin them in this, please. Where it's don't, don't be off put by the numbers. Don't be off put by how few we are because it only takes a few. And we have this entire um, surplus army Who's sit, who's in in purgatory, waiting, you know. We but we need to ask them. We need to enjoin them. And, rem and remember, in the Novus Ordo Church, pretty much nobody even believes that purgatory even exists anymore. No, nobody is nobody is actively 
talking about the poor souls, praying for the poor souls, et cetera, et cetera. In fact, they're being told that purgatory and the poor souls don't even exist. That just, you know, everybody goes to heaven. There is no sin. There, there, there certainly isn't any hell. And they're, they're, oh, oh, there's, that's ridiculous to say that there could possibly be any temporal punishment for anything that you do, you know. Uh, it's but, that, but Father, why is it in all these old Catholic books? Was it abolished uh, with the Second Vatican Council? Did they really abolish purgatory? Yes, but the church doesn't believe that anymore. It, it, it doesn't believe in limbo. It doesn't believe in purgatory. It doesn't believe in mortal sin. It doesn't believe in hell. Um, it doesn't believe in the real presence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Whole new church was sung into being and Archbishop Vigano finally this past week or so came out and said that, that Vatican II, I mean, it's just, what the hell? It's, 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 it is a complete and total rupture. It's a complete rupture. <sighs> I haven't read his article or his, his letter about Vatican II. I did read his letter to Trump, and then I also saw that somebody had posted, and I don't know if this is something that was sent directly to me or, or this was a blog post, but the idea being that perhaps he timed his letter to Trump to go out first and then the letter about Vatican II in order to get people to pay more attention or more people to pay attention to that than otherwise would have. And uh, maybe I think this was just sent to me. And and I replied, I haven't read the, the, the letter about Vatican II yet, but did he say anything different than what Archbishop Lefebvre said in 1968? And I'm not being snarky or dismissive. It's like, what else is there to say? Um, I, I would say no, but it's the fact that someone's saying it in 2020, that, that a what we would call a Novus Ordo bishop, because he obviously is, because the only non-Novus Ordo bishops are the four SSPX bishops. Um, in in the 2020, finally, a, a Novus Ordo bishop is coming out and saying this, like no holds barred saying it. Um, even Cardinal Burke, Cardinal Burke has actually been squishy, very squishy on Vatican II. And oh no, it's in it's in continuity. It just has to be read right. And I'm I'm sorry, but no, that is not correct. It is not in continuity. And there's no way to put lipstick on a sausage, which is what that is. I mean, it, it isn't even lipstick on a pig, it's lipstick on a sausage. I guess in that context, it makes more sense. Uh, Vigano certainly was no disciple of Archbishop Lefebvre. So the fact that he's coming to this conclusion uh, from a very different path. Um, mm -hmm. Was it in your blog post or somebody else uh, who sent an email about this talking about arriving at the same point from different directions? And there was some fancy $50 word to describe this. And it, it's a way of saying that because you have multiple independent corroboration uh, points, then this, this oh, amplifies me. the truth. <laughs> Consilience, which is somebody sent me that letter. That was a that was a mailbag post that I made, and I was that so delighted me because I have to admit I had never heard that word before, and it's awesome and it's absolutely perfect when you have all kinds of things, data sets come streaming in, and they all point at exactly the same premise. That is called consilience, which has now been added to my vocabulary. Yay. And thank you so much to the, to the reader who sent that in. Um, and it, it's exactly perfect. It's when everything just, just meshes together and, and adds up. We were talking about this with Dr. Matza, and that's why I was, you know, immediately. So Dr. Matza did, 
um, he first did the Taylor Marshall, the first Taylor Marshall podcast. Then like literally as soon as he hung up and finished the first Taylor Marshall podcast that he did, I'm sitting there and, you know, I kind of been listening to it and because some people started emailing me and saying, your, your name is being mentioned. Your name is being mentioned. You need to listen to this. So I, I, you know, went to my desk and my computer and turned it on and was listening. As soon as he finished, there's an email that from him that drops in my inbox and it's his position paper. And I'm like, Oh dude. Okay. Uh, I immediately said, can I have your permission to publish this? Because, Consilience. Everything that Dr. Matza said meshes and tied all of these loose ends off. I mean, I, I I go back and forth because I always say, Our Lady Undoer of Knots. We need to undo knots, undo knots. But then I'm using the opposite uh, metaphor with Dr. Matza saying that he's he's tying all of these loose ends up with what he's saying about Pope Benedict trying, trying. Uh, whether he did it or not, uh, to only only resign being the Bishop of Rome, it actually doesn't matter whether or not he was successful in that in the sense of the main question, who's the Pope? And But what Dr. Matz's theory does is it shows that whatever Pope Benedict did in February of 2013, we can know one thing, we know one thing for sure, and that is he did not validly resign the papacy. So that's why I'm just really excited and just really grateful to Dr. Matza for putting it all together. I mean, it was right there the whole time. And I think one of the, the primary sources where he came to this was in the, the Miller dissertation itself, which, you know, I've been... <laughs> Mark Doherty and I have been reading that stupid thing now for for a year and a half, but I just I didn't pay much attention to the section on what's called the Romanitas, um, whether or not the Pope has to be the Bishop of Rome proper, and that's where Doctor Doctor Matz's insight just brilliant and brings it all together. Conciliance. So yeah, yes, words absolutely matter, and I know mm-hmm. that you're you're a big. Uh, proponent of making the difference between munis and ministerio but uh-huh. uh this gets to, to a next man, this help what a great segue this gets to the next point about now the supreme court is saying that words in 1962 mean something different today so you know maybe if they applied this to benedict's resignation they say well you know what we always understood ministerio and munis to mean it's something different is you know so we just have a supreme court ruling uh monday that uh, says that uh, a a ruling in 1960, the, the Civil Rights Act in, of 1962, mm-hmm. which 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 uh, barred discrimination based on sex, which is is it male or female? Yeah, that was not that, it, the, in the, not the, the act. Yeah. Yes, the the <sighs> just the justices even admitted that that is what was meant by the text of the law yep. in 1962, yep. and they still said. We're still going to understand this now to include transgender and LGBT and all the alphabet soup you can come up with that you want to throw into this, whether it lives in Chaz or someplace else. You are now protected with equal rights, even though, as the dissenting justices pointed out in their opinions, Congress has admitted by their actions 
that this definition does not work for what you're for what the majority is saying because they have been continually trying over the last few years to pass an amendment to the Civil Rights Act to specifically cover transgender LGBT. It dies in the Senate and never gets passed, but the fact that the Congress, the actual body that's supposed to be legislating, is trying to is making motions and trying to get something done here. Why is the yeah okay never mind I, it's no it's we're, you're, we're, you're, yeah it's nominalism it is it is stone cold nominalism and isn't it interesting isn't and by the way nominalism is a philosophical error whereby you think words have absolutely no meaning except in the individual's mind or some. I, it's just, it's just crazy. And I mean, reality just crumbles, crumbles under nominalism because nothing has any meaning except what I think it means. And therefore, when you fall into a situation like that, the, the person with the most guns, who is the biggest psychopathic thug is who rules the world because words, what Words mean what I say they mean. This is Mao. This is Mao, as in Chairman Mao in China, who murdered 45 million people because words have no meaning except what I say they mean. That is called nominalism. And isn't it fascinating that once again, here we are in a situation of a direct parallel with exactly what's going on with the church, with the papacy, with anti-Pope Bergoglio, with this whole resignation thing, people arguing from a position of nominalism that, you know what, whatever whatever Ratzinger said in February of 2013, Munus Ministerium, whatever he says, who the hell knows? It's all the same. None of it has any firm meaning. It means whatever he maybe wanted it to mean or whatever you want it to mean or whatever I want it to mean. Everything's metonymic. The law is completely metonymic, meaning, you know, any word. Hell, break open the Lewis and Short Latin Dictionary. Open it up to Munus. Look at the Lewis and Short Latin. Go down the list of synonyms and pick out whichever one floats your boat. Isn't it interesting that that same error that's happening with regards to the papacy and the Vatican is now exactly the same damn thing that's going on in the broad culture? That sex sex means whatever you want. And now you've got the Supreme Court of the United States. And by the way, conservatism is dead. It is dead. Do we not understand this? Who were the two? Roberts and Gorsuch, who were the two who basically led the charge on this, who were supposed to be the great saviors. Gorsuch was supposed to be this great natural law guy who shredded it. I think that Roberts is blackmailable and has been blackmailed since Obamacare. Remember when, when Roberts wrote both on the Obamacare decision? Is it a tax? Is it not a tax? He wrote both decisions. Do you remember that? I do remember that. And I think he was also the deciding vote. And I don't remember if he was the one who authored the opinion on a Birchfeld as well. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. And there's been talk one doesn't want to get into detraction, but from from the very beginning, there was talk about Roberts. Let's just say that he maybe is very blackmailable and has been all along. Um, and then, I, I don't know, this Gorsuch guy, just complete, 
total 180 sellout. Guys, it's a small club. We ain't in it. I've been saying it for years. Anyone who would have anything to do with high-level national politics, and that includes the Supreme Court, probably a psychopath, disqualified on, on ipso facto, on the surface, just disqualified. Wait, you want to be involved in national-level politics? You want to be involved in the high levels of the United States government or the European government or any of these governments? You actually want anything to do with that that cesspit of psychopathy? Well, that doesn't speak too well for you now, does it? Um, so a- am I surprised? No, but... Can we now stop with, well, you have to give money to to elect this and such person because he's going to appoint, He's he, we have to appoint these judges. Guys, kayfabe, kayfabe, hearkening back to 2016, it's like professional wrestling. Faker than a $3 bill. It's all kayfabe. And well, when I saw it was a 6-3 vote, I, I was quite surprised to see that Kavanaugh was actually on the correct side of the issue mm-hmm. now he was you know being the um i guess rational and objective i don't know how this works how he's rational objective and jesuit trained all at the same time yeah. but he was making the point that if we really care about lgbt rights and all the rest we shouldn't be reinterpreting this word because then somebody a future court can simply say no that's not what the text of the law says we need to have the the congress uh, change this, and I was I was rephrasing this argument as though I'm I'm saying it in favor of an LGBT argument to some people online. It's a, a Reddit like community, and they were jumping all over this argument, saying that's a bunch of bleepity bleep, you conservative, whatever. And I said it in a very liberal manner, at least I thought it was saying because I was I was phrasing this as how how can we take this as being protecting LGBT rights because. This is just open to interpretation. Words don't mean anything anymore. If mm-hmm. the court can just say it means something else, then how do we know that any law means what it says? Because what they have yep. just enshrined with this decision, as though they've never done it before, is they're saying that we know that the word and what it means, you're supposed to interpret laws based on the words as they were understood at the time of the law. That was the reason for the Webster's Dictionary, by the way. I think I've told this story before. Daniel Webster, or was it? There was there's multiple Websters. One was a, one was the dictionary dude, and, and the other one was a senator. Yeah, but the dictionary guy recognized very early on that English words in America, especially, were drifting quickly. And so his mm-hmm. concern, his shock was, I mean, it was Noah Webster. Anyway, he he was he was saying he, he Noah reali- Webster, yes, yes. He realized mm-hmm. how in the world are we going to make sense of the King James Bible? Then we better come up with a compendium of what these words actually mean when it was written. Yeah. And so that's the whole point of a dictionary. It's not just to define a word. It's what did it mean when the word was written? So the 1964 or 62, I forget which it was now, Civil Rights Act, when they talk about the protections afforded somebody based on their sex, we can't decide to interpret this based on the 2020 understanding or warped misunderstanding of the word sex. We have to do this under the understanding of the word at the time. Mm -hmm. And could I just drop in there just i know that this this horse left the barn a long time ago but it's exactly the same thing that happened with natural born citizen everybody knew what the founders meant when they wrote natural born citizen it meant uh, a citizen born to suit two citizen parents and that got shredded obviously in 2008 because you know obama himself 
I think probably falsely claimed that a Kenyan national was his was his father. Therefore, under the definition of natural born citizen, he was he was ineligible. Now, the interesting the the interesting thing about that is I think most people are in agreement now that um, whoever Obama I can't even remember what his first name was um, the, the no um, the father I oh can't Frank what, Marshall no what what is what's the Kenyan Obama's first name the it was father Barack it was Barack Hussein Obama the senior oh okay 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 so. I think most people by now agree that he almost certainly is not uh, Barry Satoro's father, that probably Frank Marshall Davis was the father. But I mean, even putting that aside, you don't even have to go down that, that rabbit hole. Obama openly claimed that he was the child of a Kenyan national. Natural born citizen means and meant and minor versus Hepperstedt, the Supreme Court decision confirmed this, that what that meant and what that means, and when, when the Constitution was written, is that that is a citizen born to two citizen parents, and they wrote that into the Constitution so that you wouldn't have some guy who was half French, they were basically afraid of the French, um, that was half French ascending to the White House and then having these split loyalties, because that, that was a major concern in the 19th century. And, but, you know, of course, everybody said, no, no, it means what, it means what we say it means now. It's just all nominal and who cares? Shut up, stupid. And okay, whatever. Well, if you want to be a nominal, if you want to be a nominalist, you, you will die by that. And, and now we're, we're seeing that come to fruition, that you will die by that. They will take your children. They will disqualify you from participation in the economy. Um, they will do up to and including executing people eventually, unless you ratify and even participate, participate in sodomy, basically. They want, they want demonically, they want to drag you and your children into hell and they will murder you. They will murder you if you stand against that. But what does it say in scripture? To live, um, to live in virtue in Christ Jesus is to be persecuted. So, you know, you might as well, might as well do the right thing, folks. Well, Christ told his apostles, know that they hated me and persecuted me before yep. they hated and persecuted you. Yep. Don't, at this point, if you think, <laughs> nobody gets out of this world alive, folks. And so uh, go down swinging with your boots on um, morally. And it's, it's better to do that than to lose your soul, go to hell. Don't, and don't let them get your kids, man. Don't let them get your kids. Well, we're getting to a point where if you, if you manage to find some quiet corner of the world where you have the sacraments and the mass and all the rest, and you manage to avoid all the insanity and nonsense going on, I have to wonder at your judgment, will you be accused of dereliction of duty? Yeah, that's right. They, there comes a certain point where you need to suit up, boot up, and run into it, charge into it. And I think those days, those days are coming. And you better be ready. You better stay close to the sacraments. Do everything you can. Get get father get father to the house, and you know the spare bedroom makes an excellent confessional. So get her done. Or if you have serious carpentry skills, um, I think the time is coming to make uh, priest hides as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's well, just a matter know, of time. I think that that topic somewhat overlaps a little bit with the whole, can you use a cell phone anonymously? It's, can you actually communicate in a truly covert manner? Because I think that might be coming up as a practical thing before too much longer. And I I don't have the exact answer at the moment. So if I forget to bring this up again, and and after three or four episodes, somebody ping me and I'll, I'll bring this up again. But I think the answer is yes, but I need to do a little more research. Well, I mean, that is my question. And I, I, along with, I think a lot of people and, but especially me, I think I'm probably independent enough. And my style of life is such that I'm seriously asking myself the question, do I need this cell phone at all? At all? Why shouldn't I just get rid of this thing? I have not, how many, how many telephone calls do I make a year? Like actual telephone, telephone calls. And I'm not talking about, you know, like Super Nerd and I recording this over, you know, whatever Skype, Skype-like application that we're using. I'm uh, talking about. I'm on, I'm on record as saying this is wire. And, and okay, I, we're on I, wire. I, I highly recommend uh, anyone who uses uh, Skype or equivalents. If you're on Facebook Messenger, get on wire. Yeah. <laughs> get, this, this is definitely a good thing to use. And and uh, talking about phone calls, I, we had a major denial of service attack in the United States where phone calls were not being routed and, and, and uh, non-trivial amount of internet traffic was being blocked as well. Uh, but uh, apparently T-Mobile, Sprint, AT&T, and Verizon were all having intermittent to, in some, in some areas, total uh, inability to route voice calls. And I saw the news come across Hacker News. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. But I don't make voice calls. <laughs> so yeah. that was my first thought. Is like, ah, this is kind of interesting. But uh, maybe, who knows, this could be a social engineering thing to, to get people away from voice calls and get to, to IP, which could be you know, more easily traced. So who knows? Perhaps. Um, but, you know, what I'm thinking is, and I think we've talked about this before. I mean, 20, when did I get my first cell phone 1998 like the summer of 98 i got my first cell phone so like 22 years ago right about now so 22 years and one month ago um every time every time i left the house i left the house without any access to a phone and today even for someone like me if you accidentally leave the house without your phone, you kind of get that tight feeling in your chest of, oh my gosh, I don't have my phone. And more often than not, depending on how far I get out the door before I realize I've forgotten it, go back and get it. Because you've got that feeling of the anxiety of, oh my gosh, I don't have a phone. What would happen if I knew, you know, but then when's the last time I made a telephone call? I, I, I honestly can't even remember. I cannot remember the last time I made a telephone call. So do I need this thing? They're, they're clearly gunning for the, the contact tracing garbage. Um, why do I have this? Uh, I could maybe just totally get rid of it. And all of my data consumption, internet consumption reading should be done sitting in a desk-like environment in front of my laptop instead of looking at the stupid phone. I think it's really interesting. Um, One of the, I think it's Emmerich. One of the Emmerich prophecies is that she said she saw everybody, everybody in the church pulled an idol out of their chest pocket 
and were everyone was in church staring at this idol and i'm i'm sorry but that just so screams i uh, iphone or smartphone and i i admit that i sometimes use um the phone in church for um especially for the hours of the office, because there's a website that we've linked to many times called Divinum Officium. And you can pull up the mass of the day in Latin and English, you know, side by side and the entire divine office the same way. So, you know, if I'm at com, if I, if I stay for Compline, then I can just pull, I, I don't have to carry a, a brief. I can just pull it up on Divinum Officium and it's right there. But I, I, cringe when I read that um, that prophecy of Emmerich, which really sounds like smartphones. Everybody's staring. And especially if you walk, you know, just walk around or you're in restaurants or on public transport or whatever it is, and you just see everybody head down, completely fixated, either messaging or playing games or whatever, just fixated on the phone. Even people who are together in groups, sitting, sitting in a restaurant, sitting at the table, oftentimes you'll, you'll see people, a group of three or four people, and they're sitting there in a restaurant and they're not talking to each other. They're all staring at their phones. Like maybe maybe I just need to get rid of this damn thing. So take the contact tracing just off the table that way. Um, and just go back to, you know, pre pre June 98 lifestyle, you know, uh, why not? Why not? Or there's always the option to put it in airplane mode or in, in a don't disturb mode. And, and the interesting, you, you, you mentioned that, um, that prophecy from Emmerich. And as you, as you mentioned, people taking an idol out of their pocket and looking at it. I wasn't thinking of the device itself, but what was on it. And my first thought was Facebook, Twitter, social media, mm-hmm. communication, the vanity and the narcissism of who, yeah. who's who's liking my content now, who's trying to get at me, who's or who's trying to message me because I'm so important. You know, the, yep. the 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 phone is just a tool. And mm-hmm. you know, uh, you mentioned Divinium Fishum. I will put a, a, a plug in one more time for IPeta. Um, you go mm-hmm. ahead and correct the pronunciation if you want to, but it, it is a, is an app that is a massive download because it works offline without data. And, mm. and, uh, so it, if this last Sunday, in fact, I, uh, opening, opening up the, the missile, I'm like, wait, which Sunday is it? So I pull up my phone real quick, swipe, uh, it's in airplane mode the whole time. Open it, swipe down cause it's an iPhone IPI and up oh, yeah, that's it. Go to calendar. Oh, okay. And IPA, it has the full mass in it now as well. Latin and English, uh, tracking along in the missile. I, they might. I'm pretty sure they've got the whole divine office. I'll have to double check on that again. But I would be very surprised if it isn't. And if it if it isn't there, and you really want it, um, the priest who runs that, who maintains that application, will probably add it if you want to. So it, mm-hmm. it's a fantastic application. It's uh, I, I have the iOS version of it. I've got some Android handsets around here that I intermittently put that on. I also wipe the brains on those Android things routinely because of the testing I do. So that's why I say intermittently. But the, there is a difference between how it works on Android or the the nature of the app on Android as uh, opposed to iOS. So I, I, it's not there's not feature parity. Last time I checked, so there there might even be multiple applications on the Android side. But the point is that uh, it, it's a fantastic application. It downloads the content to your phone, so you don't need to have a data signal or, God forbid, attached to Wi-Fi at church. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you, you can put you can put your phone in the proper mode it should be in charge, which is in airplane mode. In other words, the mm-hmm. radios are off. It can't send. It can't receive. It's just whatever's on the phone, which that by itself can be a big distraction as well. But at least it's it's a it requires you to do something to look at it in that case, as opposed yeah. to uh, the world <laughs> yeah. can reach out and reach you and distract you and and, and buzz yeah. at you. Well, I know a lot of people are feeling the same way. So that is your mission, Super Nerd. Next episode, let's definitely talk about, if not if not totally getting rid, um, things that you can do to isolate yourself as much as you can, especially as we're staring down this contact tracing, mark of the beast, um, all of that garbage. Um, what can we do to protect ourselves as much as we can? I'll put your phone in airplane mode when you don't need it to be otherwise. Uh, well, but I keep reading things that say that, you know, that doesn't, that's just a placebo and it, it, it's still communicating that it. No, airplane mode, know. the radios are off. All of the radios are off. Yes. An application can still have access to microphones. Uh, yeah, get the Facebook messenger off your phone. That fixes yeah. half the problems right there, mm-hmm. but uh, it still has access to the microphones. It can listen to uh, GPS. I believe will is pretty much always on because it's a receive situation. Um, so in, an application like a, like a bike riding application is a good example. You can put your phone in airplane mode um, or actually no, it, uh, the here maps is, is another one. H E R E maps. Um, you can put your phone in airplane mode, uh, after having downloaded the maps for wherever you are, and and uh, it, well, you can track along where you are and even where you're going to because the, all the mapping information is on your phone at that point. You're not transmitting, so putting the putting all the turning off all the radios for transmit mode, which is what airplane mode is, doesn't affect the phone's ability to receive GPS signals. So to get away from contact tracing which operates on Bluetooth, by the way. It, it's it's sending out Bluetooth low-energy signals and listening for them as well. So that, that uh, if, if, you're, if, the, if you have an app on your phone that is built with the toolkit, I, last I've heard, and I'll, I will keep my eyes and ears open about this, it's not Android and iOS itself doing the contact tracing. Uh, Google and Apple built uh, software developer kits so that people who want to do contact tracing apps have tools built from the OEM from from Apple and Google to be able to do this correctly and that will interoperate it's Google and Apple never come up with stuff to interoperate with each other but in this case they did because there must be mm-hmm. a big agenda behind it mm-hmm. but uh, in, in in this case you've got to have the application on there and so if you even if you update to iOS 13.5 point whatever they're up to now if you don't have an application that that supports this then you don't have to worry about it now my question with this is is Facebook putting this in or Twitter or other people? Not that I've got this junk on my phone, but I'm just curious how many applications are going to implement passive contact tracing without telling anybody. I don't know if they have to because part of the contact tracing here is not collecting personal identifying information. Yeah. Knock on wood or, or, or ignore on that part because there's always something about your, the anonymized information that can be de-anonymized. That's been proven over and over and over. In theory, it's some 32-character hexadecimal uh, monstrosity that identifies your phone and sees the identification of other phones that you come close enough to the, to, to see these Bluetooth Ugh. signals. But Ugh. if you've got the radios off, you never collect that information. So, it's no, seriously, go, turn, <laughs> if, you, if you don't need Wi-Fi on, turn it off. If you don't need Bluetooth on, turn it off. 
put the phone in airplane mode if you don't need to make a call. You know, the magic thing about phones, they still make phone calls and they still have voicemail. Every once in a while, take your phone out of airplane mode. If somebody called and left a message, if it's that important, they can leave a message, you can call them back. Mm-hmm. And you know what else? You can get your phone to last three days on one battery charge. Yeah, that's true. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Well, looking at the clock, I think that's an episode. It's good to have you back, friend. Well, it's only an hour 30. This is a short episode. Yeah, that's a, this is a snack pack. <laughs> Pretty much. And I, I had some rambling mistakes at the beginning for a couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, knocking we knocking always, the rest off. We always need a cold open, so. <laughs> oh, we've got a few of them here from this one. <laughs> okay, I'll go ahead and wrap it up then. The the email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, or any other theories you have about uh, contact tracing. You can send email to podcast at barnhart.biz. And by the way, somebody um, had, somebody asked the question, uh, since Mark and Ann did the last four podcasts, and actually Dr. Matsu was on two of them, but Mark and Ann and Aggregate did the last four podcasts. Somebody asked the question, do, does podcast at barnhart.biz go to Mark for those? No, it goes to me, no. and, and everything I see that's that's directly relevant to Mark, I just forward on. So yeah. it, it it goes to me, and um, I, I forward it on. So mm-hmm. um, and his yeah. blog is is non Pacham. So if you wanted, I'm I'm sure his contact his email is over there. So um, or you could he has a com box, so you could you could leave a, a a comment under one of his posts, and I'm sure that he would get back to you too. But I'm pretty sure his email address is on his blog. So I know his Twitter uh, handle is, and um, he's he's semi active over there as well. So there, mm-hmm. there's there's plenty of ways to contact him, and if if nothing else, you can always just send an email podcast at barnhart.biz and. Some dude named sure. Super Nerd will forward it on. Yeah. Uh, masses for Ann's benefactors. At least one mass every single day. That's yesterday, today, tomorrow, every day. Uh-huh. And once a week, at least, um, I think it's just one, but every every yeah. week there's there's going to be a Requiem Mass said for somebody, whether you died from whatever reason. I'm not going to make any jokes about it this week because it's just yeah, not fun. No. No. Um, please pray for these, ma- these, please pray for these masses. Now, please pray for these priests who mm-hmm. are saying these masses. Um We've talked about in, in numerous ways, directly and indirectly, all, all of the forces of Satan, both spiritual and physical. Some of them uh, carry miters. They, <laughs> these priests have a lot of, have a lot of enemies, and, uh-huh. and, and we, they definitely need our prayers. And without our prayers, I don't know how far they would get. I'm not presuming that my prayers are what's saving them, but we are, we are the communion of saints. We need to help each other out. This is how this works. Amen. The Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you found something of value in this or previous episodes and would like to return some value, you can visit the mildly redesigned supernerdmedia.com and send feedback there or send donations there. And there are uh, a few ways to do that. Uh, You can send a donation by mail, which is what Stephen, Richard, Ernest, and Joel did. You can send it via Amazon. I got a chuckle out of of, uh, Mark saying, how in the world do you do that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and what it what it was, I, I sent Amazon email in, in my script to him. I didn't want to fully lay out. Basically, you can send an Amazon gift certificate by email to donations of Super Nerd. I forget what email address I had on there, but good, just go to supernerdmedia.com to find out more information about that. But I want to thank Marion, Kimberly, and Marilyn uh, for that. And there's also the option to send via Bitcoin. I'm not a 
hold it, uh, get Bitcoin, hold it long term. It's just that there, it's fungible. I can I can use it to, to pay for web hosting, or I can use it to pay for domain names. I think uh, Cloudflare takes Bitcoin now. That's ah. it's another way to to accept donations. Uh, I am leaning on the the tax accountant to say, "Yep, green light me," and we'll we'll light up a new PayPal account and go from there. That has to be done correctly, or else PayPal will do what they did last time and say, "We don't know if you're actually paying taxes on this. We have our rules from the IRS, so we're just going to shut you down because we don't want to have them auditing us." So that eventually will come back, and that also means the ability to sell the DVDs and all the rest. You can buy the DVDs now. You're just going to pay by um, by sending a check or by Bitcoin. Which you know, if you don't know how to do that, don't do it. Don't do it. it this is definitely a, a geeky thing to do. And he's talking about like my diabolical narcissism video, the Islamic sexuality video. Um, the I think they are. Do you have the capacity to sell the anti papacy videos? I've got DVD? the. Um, you know or what? The first one, maybe. I probably should put together a list of what videos I have. There's two of them currently. I don't. He have is the- not. He's not talking about my cattle marketing video. That's that's completely separate, and that's still through me. And yes, the rumors are true. My cattle marketing video, which I recorded in March of 2011, includes an entire module about um, the complete societal breakdown and bartering and uh, trading cattle when there's no U.S. dollar or if prices go to zero, which actually happened not too long ago. So yes, the rumors are true. And yes, I'm still selling them, but that's through me. And I have a link on barnhart.biz. And if you, if you on the off chance are interested in that, you email me directly and I give you the, I give you the instructions, the secret spy instructions for ordering that. And as, as it used to be the case, it's not anymore because we decided that we don't want to renew that domain name. It used to be that you could get there by going to 16 hourmbacom which was a tongue in cheek reference that I put together because you made the comment that in the full uh-huh. 16 hours of that, it's like going through an MBA, but actually learning something useful as opposed to yeah. just networking and learning how to make secret handshakes. So I was told by someone who came to a, um, it was a family from Wisconsin that owned a chain of car dealerships and they had also gotten, they had diversified into cattle and they went to a Harvard business school MBA short course. Yeah. That, through, that was, that was the, that was the reference to all that. That yeah. was the reference. They paid through the nose for it. And she came up to me at the first break on the first morning. So I had been lecturing for like two, two and a half hours. And she came up to me and said, I have already learned more than I learned at the Harvard MBA short course. And I was like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Sorry, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to sound, you know, flippant and, and aloof, but yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> so yeah, that was the 16 hour MBA reference. And from 16, we go to 17, specifically Matthew 17, 20. Matthew 17, 20, fast, pray, fast twice a week if you can, pray every day, fourfold intention that uh, the Bergoglian anti-papacy be pub- publicly recognized and ended and the whole thing be nullified, that um, Pope Benedict be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope since April of 2005, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time. We're not praying for anybody to die quickly. That's not what we're doing here. That he die in a state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieves the the beatific vision. And likewise with Pope Benedict, that he um, 
repent of anything that he might need to repent of, um, that he die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, not praying for him to die either, and that he someday achieved the beatific vision. Nothing less will do. Our Lady Undoer of Knots, pray for us, Lord Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us and on your holy church. Amen. And I don't want to slight the, I, I got off on a tangent talking about what the Amazon emails were, the gift certificates. I'd never mentioned that. Um, thank you to Marion, Kimberly, and Marilyn for sending those in. Don't want to overlook anyone. I, I definitely had that in my notes. I just rambled off on a tangent and then almost forgot to come back. But, that, you know, I'll get the rust off for next time. And thank you to all of my benefactors, and we put this now permanently in the show notes, but as this situation drags on, um, and I know that a lot of people that, you know, even though the lockdowns are starting to lift, that a lot of people have just been absolutely financially ruined by this. Listen, guys, if you've got a recurring donation set up with me through Continue to Give, even if even if it's five, ten bucks a month, if you need that money, do not hesitate for a second not for a second to cancel that recurring donation. Everything's cool on my end. Don't worry. I completely understand. And the good, the good news is I've had one person so far who canceled and, and sent me an email and said, I had to do this, but I'll be back as soon as I can. But that was really good and encouraging news to me that of out of the listenership uh, or the donor base, the recurring donor base. Um, and I don't even know. I honestly don't know how many people there are, but I mean, it's dozens um, that only one person so far has emailed and said, I gotta, I gotta cancel this thing. So that's really encouraging. But listen, as this drags out, if you're out there and you need to cancel, don't hesitate. This is my website, this podcast. I mean, we, we obviously really, really enjoy doing it, but it's not an essential thing. It's not an essential thing for you. So um, if you need the money, we'll get through this, but if you need to cancel, do it, do it. Yep, It's a non-essential service and you yeah. should uh, donate accordingly or not donate is the point. Exactly. Yeah. Be a good steward. Be a good steward of your wealth. And if, if you need to stack and save, I mean, this is a lesson to all of us. Need to have money in reserve. Need to have some some FRN stacked and, you know, be responsible with this stuff because you just never have any idea when you could get punched in the face and you have no income for X number of months, but you still have that mortgage payment and you still have payroll and you still have, you still have to buy food and toilet paper and things like that. Gas, car payment, everything, you know, so be a good steward. That's first and foremost. Yeah, I've seen Mad Max. Gasoline is a currency. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think we use um, in the, I was talking about in the cattle marketing DVD and that module about barter and so forth. I, I absolutely remember that we use um, ammunition as one of the barter currencies. And I think we use gas too. Um, and in fact, um, one of the things that I admonish people to do is sit down and make a list Right now, today, how much is a gallon of milk? How much is a, is a gallon of gas? How much is, you know, your preferred nine millimeter or, or two to three or whatever it is, your preferred uh, current uh, um, ammunition? Make a list of these commodities so that you have a snapshot in time so that you can index those off of each other. Um, a bushel of corn, obviously for cattlemen. Um, 
a, a pound of ground beef, which good grief. Um, I was told by somebody back in the ancestral homeland that ground beef for a while was going for, what was it? 12, $13 a pound in the heat when the, when all of the packing plants shut down. I Good grief. What do you do? How do you figure out price ratios if just everything goes haywire like that? Well, one thing you can do, take a snapshot in time so that if you can find a fair market price of one commodity, you can then just do a simple indexing calculation and figure out how much the price of another commodity should be. And then you can also, just using simple unit conversions, you can convert um, you know, a pound of, or a bushel of corn into X uh, rounds of, uh, X, X rounds of ammunition or, a, a pound of coffee or whatever it is. You can just index and use unit, unit conversions on all this stuff. It's not impossible to do. And if you can keep your head in an emergency, the reason you do something like that is so that you don't end up making just absolutely horrific, horrific trades like exchanging um, exchanging one hot meal for a one ounce gold coin or something like that. And people, people do things like that because they just get stupid in times of desperation. So always have your head about you and there's things that you can do to protect against economic collapse and and loss of loss of a benchmark currency which is something that we're kind of staring down the the barrel of I think if there's not a website that that has such an index that might be a fun project to put together so if somebody's got a spreadsheet that lays us all together email that to podcast at barnhart.biz and maybe that'll be the next little fun tool to put together Absolutely. That would make a very cool website, even if, especially if we could somehow link it in real time to some sort of a source somewhere, or even if it was just updated once a week, that would be super cool. Yeah. Oh, I would definitely want to automate that. That's not something I would want to be manually touching and updating every single day. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And on that note, until next time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Ann. Thanks, guys. God bless. God bless.